and it's huge. It not only feeds into the estrogen, which obviously causes a lot of, you know, women can be a lot moodier. And of course, then she's not going to want to be intimate. She, she doesn't really like her partner most time, most days of the month. And, um, not only that is, you know, leading to that estrogen progesterone imbalance and progesterone that we don't talk about progesterone enough, but it's that our hormone that makes us nice and relaxed. And so when you're out of balance, meaning you're higher estrogen and lower progesterone, of course, you're just going to feel on edge and anxious and just moody a lot more times of the the month than not. There's a lot of these chemicals that disrupt, not only disrupt estrogen and that it increases it, but it also affects testosterone and decreasing it. And as women, if we're still producing testosterone, uh, meaning that we're still in our cycling years, you know, we can't really afford to have anything disrupting our testosterone. We don't have a lot of it to begin with, even though we're more sensitive to it, you know, these things are disrupting male testosterone is also affecting ours as well. So it's this perfect symphony of like some hormones going up and some going down that actually drive us into having a lower sex drive. You are listening to the ultimate biohack for women, a movement of women who know what they want and go get it. You know, the answers lie within reach in and grab hold. This is a movement a movement of women who tune in and turn themselves on. Now you're biohacking the woman's way, integrating the art and science of hacking your biology like a woman. Tap your magic, conjure your yes, upgrade, elevate, maximize your potential. I'm Dr. Brandy Victory, and this is a movement, a movement that is sure to hack your soul. Hey babe, I get what it's like to have brain fog, fatigue, excess weight, and maybe even chalk it all up to, I'm just getting a little older. That doesn't have to be your story. And if you've tried everything and nothing seems to work or you get a little better and then it doesn't last, I've got something for you. If you're ready to have sustainable progress in your wellness, be it excess weight, fatigue, body pain, brain fog, losing your memory, or just aging a little faster than you want to, this isn't an in another diet. You're not going to find your success in another diet. It actually starts with knowing exactly what your personal body needs and making a plan from there. So every body is different. If I have two people that come in with the same exact symptoms, I'm not going to treat them the same because they're going to respond differently to care. And as many of you know, it can be really expensive to work with a functional health practitioner. That's why I've created the Uplevel Your Health VIP program. This program has been created to accommodate those who want health and well-being but don't want to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for it. This is a group coaching program where you'll be have opportunities to work with me personally, ask me questions. I'm going to give you feedback. We're going to look at your personal body's needs and we're going to create a plan together. And in the group, you'll be held accountable and have journaling prompts and recommendations for nutrition and and so many different things because it's so important to address all of your parts. You're not going to change your physical experience, your pain, your bloating, your gas, your indigestion, your fatigue. You're not going to just change that by changing your diet or by taking another supplement. You've got to address the energetic, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, yes, and the physical. But by addressing all your parts, you can actually have the greatest level of success and sustainability as you create wellness for yourself throughout your ages, all right? So I'm really excited about this program. It is a 12-week program, but you are welcome to come in now 
The link is in the show notes. If you have questions, you're also, um, please just reach out and let us know and we'll answer your questions for you. Okay. Love you. Hi ladies. Welcome to the ultimate biohack for women. Dr. Brandy Victory here, your host. And I'm so excited to bring you Dr. Renee, Renee Wellenstein. She's a double board certified doctor who's been working with women for over 20 years and did her own personal health challenges. She stepped outside the box of conventional medicine to take a radically different approach to heal herself from the deep depths of burnout. Throughout her journey, she has had her fair share of obstacles and has mastered the art of leaping into transitions with each pivot. Now, Dr. Renee empowers women to take control of their health, jumpstart their energy, improve their confidence, and reignite their libido. Whoop, whoop, whoop. This is so exciting. Welcome to the show, Dr. Renee. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, one of the things I think we have so much to talk about, you know, um, so <laughs> I just want to say, because this isn't in your bio, but you are, it, I guess it is double board certified doctor. You, you're a doctor who went from the medical world into the functional world. And I would love, love, love for you to just share a little bit about your story and, and exactly how that happened for you and why. Absolutely. You know, I, I'll condense a very long story. Um, but yes, I did go from the conventional medical world to the, to the alternative functional medicine world. And it was actually kind of by mistake. So I am conventionally trained as an OBGYN and, you know, I, now it's been nine years, nine years ago, I was living what I thought was my ideal life. I was, uh, OBGYN I had relocated to the country. I had twins. And at this time they were around four years old and, uh, I fell off a horse, my horse and broke my back. And I always say that's where my story took a turn. And at this point, it wasn't quite 180 yet. I was about 90 degrees and my life com- took a complete standstill. You know, I was going 150 miles per hour to zero and on a couch with, you know, in a, with a walker and a, and a shower chair and all the things. And for the next couple of years, you know, I really, I didn't feel well. I changed a lot of, I chased a lot of weird diagnoses of, you know, depression, you know, because of my symptoms and come to find out after about two years of being on different antidepressants. And it was interesting how I felt because yes, it sounded like depression. And again, I was in that conventional world. So if you look at all my symptoms, it looked kind of like depression if I had to shove myself into a box, but I didn't feel really sad. You know, yes, I had a life-changing injury. You know, yes, my scope of OBGYN practice was limited because at this point I couldn't deliver babies or operate any, any longer. And so I was essentially sitting in a, in a clinic doing pap smears every day. And I remember coming home to my husband saying, gosh, you know, I'm not really changing lives like I used to. And I know I could be doing more. I just don't know what I could be doing. And and simultaneously this going on is this, these weird symptoms I'm having and me being shoved into this depression box. So of course I went along with it and I said, of course, it's gotta be depression because I did have this life-changing injury. I can't practice my full scope of OB. You know, I do feel a little sad about that, but I don't, I just didn't feel like that is what depression should feel like. But again, I didn't even have another name for it. So I went on two separate antidepressants and with both of them, I actually just had all the side effects and I continued to have these other symptoms of not being able to get out of bed in the morning, really a significant drop in my energy in the afternoon. I'd get a second wind in the evening. I was having all these cravings for sugar and salt, um, really unmotivated. I was gaining weight. So I actually then 
by the grace of God, after failing my second antidepressant, was put in contact with a functional medicine doc. And actually, it was for a different reason. It was at that point, I was selling anti-aging skincare because it was like a fun thing to do. And she was this quote unquote anti-aging doctor. So I remember uh, contacting her and said, you know, all my other medical colleagues at this point, and I, at this point, I was a couple of years out from my injury, they were pretty much turning their back on me. They didn't know what else to do for me. I flunked out of physical therapy because I still had pain at this point. Aww. My regular medical doctors really didn't know physically what was going on with me with all these, all these other symptoms because these antidepressants were not helping. And so I turned to her and I said, I don't know what functional medicine is, but you've got to help me because nobody else is helping me. So what do you have? So in one conversation, and remember it happening, uh, I actually got on the phone with her in about nine o'clock one evening. And my husband went into the bathroom to take a shower. And it's funny, by the time he came out, I was off the phone with her and I said to him, I said, well, here's the thing. I have adrenal issues, adrenal dysfunction. I'm going to do this, this, and this to start feeling better. I'm going to get that diagnosis confirmed. And oh, by the way, I'm going back and doing a fellowship in functional medicine. <laughs> and he said, eh, how long was my shower? <laughs> because that's how I do things. I use my intuition. I leap into what I feel is the right next step for me. And this one conversation with this doctor, she pretty much described my condition to a T. And I was just baffled by the fact that here I was trained as an OBGYN, practicing for well over 15 years in OBGYN. And I had never heard of this condition of the adrenals aside from Addison's and, you know, and Cushing. So I was really dumbfounded by the fact that there could be something else going on with me that I didn't even know about. So while I was on the phone with her, I looked into functional medicine and decided again to go do this fellowship, which I proceeded to do. While partly doing a finishing out my OBGYN career and then subsequently became board certified in that and was in a brick and mortar functional medicine office for uh, almost four years before it closed for financial purposes. And now I am 100% online working with women doing functional medicine. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing that you have, you have experience in both, in both worlds. That's, I think that's mm -hmm. the most unique thing and can, I would imagine can be so very helpful because you, you know, one of the things that I find in my practice is, especially with people who are new to the functional world is they, you know, they want to diagnose this. They want you to tell them what's wrong with them and they mm -hmm. want a pill to make it better. And you have that in your pocket and you have the language for those people to help shift them from one, one from, from more of a Western to more of a functional approach. That's, that's my sense about you. Do you feel that's true? That's true. Yeah. And, you know, I do. It's funny when you go into the functional medicine world, people think you're anti-medications and I don't, I don't at all believe that all medications are bad. I just don't think we need it for everything. And I used to, because that's how I was trained. And, you know, it was typically, you know, make a diagnosis, give a pill for treatment, because that is really how the conventional world has trained doctors and has trained people out there in the healthcare system to expect to go to their doctor and get a pill, which is kind of sad. Um, and yes, yeah, so I do believe for certain conditions, yes, a pill is definitely the way to go. But for most situations, it's not. As long as you have the right person who's willing to put in some lifestyle changes, um, and possibly strategic supplementation to make the changes, uh, you know, it, it's possible to get well without that magic pill. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, that says a lot coming from you. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's a whole world that I had no idea was out there, which is sad. And I think it's a little more mainstream now. I mean, I've been in functional medicine now for, I don't know, six, seven years. And, um, I just feel like you hear about it a lot more now, especially over the past year with everyone moving online, but which is great because I think you can't have enough of us <laughs> spreading right. the word of getting healthy naturally, or, you know, as close to naturally as possible. And it is possible to know that there's, you know, there's guidance out there, there's help out there. There's a ton of information on the internet to basically take your health into your own hands and really be an advocate for your health and to, you know, to get better and to feel better. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. It's happening. <laughs> it is happening. And it's funny because, you know, when I was back in practice, so, because we did not take insurance, um, you know, we would actually allow our patients obviously to submit a bill to their insurance. But a lot of patients would say, well, why don't you take insurance? And I said, well, what I do, I spent an hour, you know, back then in the office with my patients. And when I was OBGYN, you're lucky to get five minutes with me, you know, and you just don't get the same level of care. And obviously then it's billed accordingly. Um, and insurance companies just don't recognize the level of care that that we functional medicine doctors give to our patients and clients. They just don't understand that we really are about educating and empowering them to take control of their health, which is so different than how I used to practice. It was essentially like, okay, tell me all your symptoms. I'll regurgitate a diagnosis and write out a medication, you know, without, with zero patient education, which is because I honestly didn't have time. And so I used to always tell my patients, you know, I don't know if I'll ever see in my lifetime, the fact, you know, functional medicine as the standard of care. I hope so, but I don't know, you know, I hope there's more of us sort of making this movement and more people out there wanting to get healthy naturally, that this will be the movement that we need. So insurance companies will start taking notice of what we're doing, that we are really helping people live longer, healthier lives. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be to their benefit to recognize that, I would think. <laughs> I would think, you know, and, and I mean, maybe not for the pharmaceutical companies, but for, right. you know, all the other underlying medical problems that we can prevent just from simple lifestyle changes, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and I so, oh, go ahead. No, and I say simple. I don't mean to make it sound trivial, like, oh, just make it, it is hard. Some of these changes are because you, we've been conditioned to live a certain way. And because of our convenient foods and our busy lifestyles, I get it. Like, I totally get it. I'm still in that busy world. You know, I have twins and a husband that's a, a hospitalist at the hospital. And so I get it, but it really does take a conscious effort to make those changes and, um, and follow through. And I, again, it's not simple, but the concepts are simple. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you on that. I hear you mm -hmm. on that. It does it does take work, and and you know it there does. is a difference in the in a patient who wants to put a band aid on it and not mm -hmm. look at the underlying causes and do the work mm -hmm. it takes to resolve them versus the patient who's ready to take action. Yeah, and I do find that you know the women that come to work with me, a couple of things. Number one, I mean sometimes right out of the gate they just don't want that medication, or number two, they've been told their symptoms are quote unquote normal, like I was told kind of that it was normal. Or in my case also, you know, either it was normal or I don't know what's going on with you. So I'm, you get women with both of those responses from the regular docs or the women that have been chasing their tails and not feeling well for years and they just wanna do something a different way. So I definitely think it's a, it's a special, a woman in a special stage of her life that definitely is willing to take, to adopt a, a more holistic lifestyle. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And you know, how I just kind of off the cuff as a guesstimate, mm -hmm. what would you say the percentage of patients 
that you see actually have adrenal imbalance? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot, you know, as, as a, an underlying, yeah, I do find it's sort of the through line of many of my clients, at least not to the extreme where I had it, but it's, you know, again, it's helpful that I've been through it because I do find that I now recognize when I'm starting to go back down that rabbit hole of burnout. And I always, I say burnout because I think that's a little easier for everyone to recognize what that means, you know, like uh, as, a, as opposed to adrenal issues. Um, but I do find it's like the through line of many of the clients I work with, whether again, it's just starting, but they definitely have that, you know, that low energy. And it, again, there could be other things too, mitochondrial and this and that, but I do find that when we start implementing some of the changes that I would implement with someone with adrenal issues, they start turning around, especially controlling stress. That's huge. Awesome. Yeah. Right. And then, so what role does that play? Cause we're going to talk about libido and mm-hmm. sex and turn on here. Mm-hmm. What role does adrenal imbalances play in libido? Huge. I mean, so as soon as we start increasing our cortisol, which is our stress hormone from chronic stress, you know, there's a, there's an evolution of how that occurs. You know, first it's chronically high, then it's a condition like I had where it's low in the morning, then it might go up a little, you know, maybe stay low during the day and then goes up at night because typically cortisol should be high in the morning and go down as the day goes on and be low at night where at which time melatonin comes up, which is our hormone that helps us sleep. And the converse is true in the morning, in the morning, the sun comes up our melatonin goes down, our cortisol goes up. That, that pattern gets a little dysfunctional when we start encountering these chronic stressors. And again, our bodies weren't made for 20. I'm not saying stress is bad. Acute stress is actually good for our body. Meaning, you know, you got to take a test. You got to give a speech, like something that comes and goes, but it's this waking up stress, going to bed, stressed and stressed all in between. That's really killing our adrenals. And, you know, everyone's different genetically. Some, some women can go on years and years with being stressed and not really have the effects that another woman after a year of chronic stress, she's, she can't get out of bed in the morning. And, and again, she's classically diagnosed as depressed whereby, you know, and I'm not downplaying the fact that many people also have depression. It's just also how, how much is her, her stress playing into this and her cortisol. And if we address that, could it potentially not be depression? So when it comes to libido, and I failed to inform your audience that I transitioned into addressing low libido in women in uh, 2020, because the online medical world got really loud. And I saw a lot of women getting helped with a lot of other conditions that I was helping, such as adrenals, like we're talking about, such as gut health. But what I have found consistently talked about or not talked about over 20 years is libido issues in women. And while I say not talked about and talked about, meaning back when I was an OBGYN, I'd actually skirt the issue when a woman would come into me with libido issues because I didn't know how to treat it. There was not an FDA approved drug out there for libido. There was not a ton of studies. And then when I was in functional medicine, I actually started to ask women about it. And because I started taking different approaches to addressing the libido, so including uh, helping with her stress. And the interesting thing is when I got more confident in the fact that I had a toolbox of, of resources to help her with her libido, in addition to her stress, I actually felt more comfortable addressing it with her and talking about it. So, um, so it's huge. I mean, our hormonal cascade, you know, it all starts with cholesterol and it ends in cortisol, but also our female and male hormones, testosterone. And one of the 
concepts is, you know, when we're stressed and we have a high cortisol, all of the precursors that would ultimately eventually make our female hormones and our male hormone testosterone actually get skirted across the pathway to make cortisol, meaning um, we really don't prefer to make the female and male hormones that help potentially can help with our libido when we're stressed. That's one way. Number two, women are much different in men with men versus men, I should say, when it comes to libido, because, you know, men's brains are much different. They can get their testosterone, first of all, is much higher than ours. They can get aroused just by looking at a woman versus women. We are much more in our head. And the thing that's competing with these sexual thoughts in our head are our stress thoughts. And nine times out of 10, when our cortisol is high, our love hormone oxytocin is low. So it's hard to feel cuddly and lovey and have a high oxytocin when your cortisol is also high. So there's a biological hormonal steal going on from high cortisol, but there's also a more of a, also biological hormonal in our brain, but also to the point where women actually will focus more on the stress that's the doing the dishes, the going, the grocery shopping, the having a do homework with the kids. I mean, that crowds out her desire to want it to be intimate and have sex. Yeah, that's, that, that can be a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I find, you know, that, I mean, women, and then, you know, not only that chronic stress is it, it makes you exhausted. So at the end of the day, when she's done all the things on her to-do list and taking care of the kids and done all the things, she just falls into bed at night. Whereas her partner's like, okay, time, kids are bed. It's time to, you know, it's go time. And she's like, it's sleep time. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's like, it's multifaceted how stress can play a part. You know, when I work with women, we have to come at it from all points. I mean, in the underlying factor is what number one, becoming aware of what's causing her stress because you can't do anything about it unless you know, what are you stressed about? And then taking um, measures to try to decrease that stress. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, my, uh, my boyfriend, Roger, he is, he works in law enforcement. He's a national, he's a trainer for law enforcement and he trains nationally to help them, uh, recover from and prevent PTSD on the street, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. resiliency practices and and navigating adversity and that kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things he told me was that, uh, uh, someone can have, someone can have an incident, a trauma, an emotional, uh, trauma, and mm-hmm. five to it, it won't show up as a problem as PTSD until five to seven years later for some people. Wow. So, yeah. So do you, what would you do for someone who is like, Hey, you know what? I'm really not stressed. Um, I mean, there's other factors for, you mean low libido wise or. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like one of the things that you talk about when someone has low libido is their stress level. And, and I, I mean, even in my practice, I've had, okay, well, what's stressing you out? And I'll, I'll, I'll have women say, I'm not really stressed out. Everything's great in my life. Yeah. Then we have to look at other things. You know, I have a eight step roadmap of things I look at because as you know, as functional medicine, we have to like peel back the layers of the onion, you know, and, and everyone's onion is going to look a little bit different. And, you know, I, as a doctor, I talk about things that I never used to talk about in the OBGYN office, including mindset, huge nice. and relation, you know, and of course relationships, because I've had calls with women that want to work with me. And, you know, they're one of the first comments is I basically don't like my husband. I'm like, okay, so where's the, there's the problem. <laughs> if there is an elephant in the room, um, I really 
would, you know, recommend that she seek counseling versus look for another cause because you got to take the most obvious cause. But, you know, I say stress is sort of the through line with many of my clients, but I think the other two that I don't find or address and are just shoved under the carpet because everybody wants to jump to the hormones. And while I do think hormones are important, I do think we have to look at the whole person and that includes how she thinks about herself. Because if a woman doesn't want to get naked in front of her significant other, Mm. because she doesn't feel comfortable in her body, well, she might not have, you know, how are you going to feel sexy if you don't feel comfortable in your body, you know, and how are you going to want to get naked and and be intimate if you don't want him touching you? And so, because you don't feel comfortable. So we got to really kind of go way back before we get to the, even the hormonal part and talk about mindset. And, you know, I find a lot of women over the past year, having a lot of women come to me with weight gain issues, um, because of what's happened over the past year and how a lot of women that had a certain lifestyle prior to a year ago, stress, of course, if it didn't play a factor before a year ago, it's now more of a factor because of all of the changes that have occurred. Maybe she's, you know, stopped going to the gym. Maybe she's not eating, she's home more. So she's eating foods that she doesn't normally eat. And of course that's resulted in a weight gain and then a plummeting libido. So, but not only that again, okay. Plummeting libido. How are you talking to yourself? How do you, do you look at yourself in the mirror and, and say all these negative things about yourself? Mm. So um, there's that. And then there's the relationship issue. And again, I find, I find it, I mean, I gave the extreme uh, situation where a client said, well, I didn't like my husband. That's extreme. Okay. So I don't even, I didn't even work with her because again, I'm not going to, when there's an elephant in the room, <laughs> work on the biggest thing first. And then if there's still issues, then we kind of peel back the, the layers, but I have to say the majority of women, there has been a loss of communication between, you know, I think a lot of women think myself, I used to be like this as well. I thought my husband could read my mind. <laughs> they can't read, mine. They <laughs> right? can't read our minds, right? Like we have to say what we want. We have to, and not be afraid to say what we want, whether that be help with the groceries, help with dinner prep, help with homework, help getting the kids to bed, help you know, and I say, I use children as an example a lot because I find that's a huge, again, through line for many people with, uh, you know, significant others, partners, husband, wives, and their children. There's, it seems to a lot of times be more of the responsibility of the child rearing and, and taking care of the children with one parent. And it seems to be the mom a lot. And so the dads will come in and, you know, sit on the couch and, and pop on their phones after being out of the house, working for the day. And the moms just sit there, you know, after doing homework with the kids and making the dinner and grocery shopping and maybe even having a business at home. And, you know, without her saying what she needs, he's not going to know. So, you know, to ask him if he could get off the couch and help with whatever needs to still be done in the, in the house, you know? So um, I do find that there has been a lot and, and there's different levels of communication. you know, I have also menopausal women I work with that the kids are older and maybe they have grandkids now. And it's more of a, you know, he wants attention from her and she's, you know, busy going back to school. A lot of women are advancing their education later in life. I see, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s going back for master's degrees and such. Um, and so it's just a matter of communicating of what he wants and what you also want and kind of getting clear as far as, okay, what's the expectations? Because there's a lot of going back and forth thinking that everyone can read each other's minds and and we can't. And we just need to open up the lines of communication so we all are on the same page with everything, including libido and, and sex. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so important to, to really talk about all those factors and hence the, you know, from my perspective, the, the beauty of the functional world, because, Mm -hmm. you know, 
you're really not just limited to here's a diagnosis mm-hmm. and here's a pill. Mm-hmm. You really have the ability now to, to open up conversations in areas that wouldn't necessarily your 15 minutes with a patient in the, mm-hmm. in the office and an OBGYN yeah. office isn't necessarily going to give you space for nor permission to do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I remember, you know, back in the day, I don't even, I would cringe when patients would say, Oh, I looked on the internet and I, I just, I shut down because I'm like, I do not have time to, you know, dispel anything that you read on the internet. And, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of factual information out there nowadays, but trained the way I was trained. I didn't even want to hear. I was the expert and I was not, I didn't have the ego like many doctors have, but I, you know, because we are so highly trained, I get it. But so I would always listen to the patient, but I, there's a ton of information out there now. And I love the fact that we can now have this conversation with what did you learn? And let's have a conversation about it because I have learned a ton from my patients over the years. And you know, someone will read something. I'm like, Oh, I've had, I've not heard of that. And I'll go look it up. I'm sure enough, you know, it's a new way of doing whatever X, Y, and Z. So, you know, health in medicine is evolving every single day. And you just, uh, it's, it's a great world to be in, especially functional medicine, uh, where the science is going and, um, to, to know that we have the resources for our patients to get, to get well on so many different levels is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, I think the stress, the relationship, the mindset are, they run through pretty much every client I work with to some degree. And again, whether or not we continue to go, it depends on what needs the most work. We continue to go back to while we continue to move forward and look at other areas like toxins, toxins are huge um, in that they disrupt our, our hormones. So there's a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals out there that are feeding women's estrogen so much. And, you know, it's interesting back when I was an OBGYN, I didn't even know this yet, but I was wondering, I was making a couple of observations and I kept saying, Hmm, I wonder what's going on. Number one, the rise of infertility. Mm. Number two, the rise of uh, girls getting breast development and their periods early. Um, And just like the onslaught of women in their, you know, even like twenties, thirties, obviously into the forties, with bleeding issues, menstrual, like heavy, heavy periods. I'm like, what is going on? And it's not until I came into this functional medicine world and I'm like, oh, it's like what we're eating and what we're putting in and on our body. That's not helping the situation. Mm. So it's, and it's huge. It not only feeds into the estrogen, which obviously causes a lot of, you know, women can be a lot moodier. And of course, then she's not going to want to be intimate. She, she doesn't really like her partner most time, most days of the month. And, um, not only that is, you know, leading to that estrogen progesterone imbalance and progesterone that we don't talk about progesterone enough, but it's that our hormone that makes us nice and relaxed. And so when you're out of balance, meaning you're higher estrogen and lower progesterone, of course, you're just going to feel on edge and anxious and just moody a lot more times of of the month than not. And not only that, you know, we don't talk a lot about testosterone in women because it's not our main hormone. And I don't believe for every woman that giving testosterone is the quote unquote fix it. But there's a lot of these chemicals that disrupt, not only disrupt estrogen and that it increases it, but it also affects testosterone and decreasing it. And as women, if we're still producing testosterone, uh, meaning that we're still in our cycling years, you know, we can't really afford to have anything disrupting our testosterone. We don't have a lot of it to begin with, even though we're more sensitive to it, you know, these things that are disrupting male testosterone is also affecting ours as well. So 
it's this perfect symphony of like some hormones going up and some going down that actually drive us into having a lower sex drive. Yeah, there's, yeah, clearly you've got a lot of knowledge around all the different things that can affect it. It sounds like you've, you've talked about, you know, hormones and adrenals Mm -hmm. and uh, toxins and metals and relationships Mm -hmm. and self worth Mm -hmm. or value, you know, there's a lot of things to consider when we're looking at libido and, and, Mm -hmm. and our health of our libido. I'm curious if you find someone has a hormonal imbalance or maybe they are, their adrenals are out of balance or some something like that, that you think is a part of the reason why their libido may be down. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you just right off the cuff prescribe like biodynamic, biodynamic, (laughs) biodynamic, bioidentical hormones, or are you doing something else? What are you, what's your strategy there? Well, you know, I don't prescribe anymore because I gave that up when I, yeah, I, uh, when I left the brick and mortar, I stopped because I, unless I have a license in every state, especially testosterone. Testosterone is actually a controlled substance. So uh, that's very hard to write for. Um, and I do find that was one of the things back in my brick and mortar practice that I was losing sleep over at night is, especially when I, I did take care of men for about four years, um, you know, watching their testosterone levels. And uh, I was also prescribing thyroid hormone in the form of T3. And of course that can have, um, most docs don't prescribe that. And that can have adverse effects if you get the dose too high. So, you know, there were certain things that were like, I was chasing around labs. And when I came into the online world, I don't work with a person in the patient doctor relationship. Like in, in, for instance, I have a limited relationship with them because what I also found back in the day of my office is that a lot of women I'd have as patients for three plus years, and they were doing the same, saying the same things at year three than day one. Mm. And that was because uh, they knew they were coming to see me every couple months. And they just, there's a few things there. Number one, I would overwhelm them at each visit because despite me still having an hour with them, functional medicine is, is deep and wide. Like there's a lot to it, as you can tell from our conversation today. Like, you know, when I would try in an hour to get through a person's labs and try to tell them, okay, these are the new things you're going to implement before our next visit. Sometimes it was a list of like 10 things. And, you know, we, we ladies are busy. Like, and so when they walked out my door, they didn't have that support and accountability at home to follow through. It was, okay, I'm going to put that list on my desk. And that's where I sat until the next time she came to see me three months later, in which case she'd walk through my office door and hang her head and say, doc, I did one out of those 10 things. So when I left um, at brick and mortar, came online, I had to evaluate, okay, so how can I help women be more successful in their journey? One way was more frequent contact with me. So I don't see them once every three months. When I work with someone one-on-one, we talk every week. Because we do that, I don't have to pile as much information on her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's number two. And so number three, if I, and then I have a finite relationship with them because I do find in my way I work with clients now is that they get their transformation or at least they're well on their way to getting their complete transformation in our time together because they know, okay, they're really motivated to, to take action. And um, so I'm finding a lot more success with women working with me for a finite relationship, you know, finite amount of time than forever, infinite. And in doing so, I really cannot, I think it's a disservice for me to be, I can't, I can't prescribe a hormone and say, okay, after six months, we're done, you know? Yeah. Um, so I can, I do have great, like 
resources for, for women. I do know how, like there are, as aside from bioidentical hormones that are compounded, there are bioidentical hormones that are, that a doc, regular doctor can write for. Mm. So we, you know, and again, a lot of women, I would say back in my former practice, I think probably 25%, I would write for a bioidentical cream. And then the other 75% would want to go through their insurance companies and get whatever is covered that's bioidentical. And so there are FDA approved, meaning your doctor can write the prescription bioidentical hormones out there that your gynecologist could write for you. So, and I am really working on getting in relationships with collaborations with conventional docs, like I used to be to help them. You know, I think patients can have the best of both worlds. I think they can work with docs like us and get sort of the more holistic approach and work with regular docs. And we're all at the end of the day, just trying to get the patient better and feel amazing. So I think it could be a definitely collaborative and cohesive relationship between the more alternative docs like us and uh, the regular docs that write the prescriptions. And we're just all here for the same reason. Yeah, I know. I know. I love, Mm -hmm. I love that perspective. Thank you for Mm -hmm. saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important. it doesn't have to be a competition. No, it does not. It's so important. I think, especially in our world today, like where mm-hmm. we're headed is collaboration in every way. And exactly. Yes. The more we wake up to that, then the, the, the more grace is going to be filling our lives every single day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Well, thanks for sharing all that. That's a lot. Um, it, you, you really laid out the scope of what you do and how important it is to look at so many different factors, regardless of what your, if it's libido or thyroid or, you know, digestive disorders, you know, I think I, what I'm hearing from you is that you, you have a broad, much broader scope now in the functional world and are able to address things from multiple angles rather than yeah. just lasering in on a drug. Absolutely. And I always say libido is just another symptom, you know, okay. I, yeah. I mean, when a woman comes with a libido, she generally has low energy. She may have some weight gain. She may have like hormonal issues that are more apparent to just the libido. So I do find that it's, you know, it's just another symptom. It's just another thing we work on. And I get to address all those other things that I love addressing while addressing her libido. So it's been, it's, it's perfect. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So are there a few things that you can share with our listeners that they can maybe do to, or watch out for, or foods they can eat or how to get, you know, away from some toxins or just a little tool that people can take away from our conversation? Absolutely. Um, So number one relationships, uh, you know, if you are in a relationship, communicate, tell your partner what you need, because they don't know. Um, and, you know, start setting boundaries. I, I, at the end of the day, we all like to think we're super women, but we don't get a trophy for that, except in our head, <laughs> you know, so start, you know, asking for help, asking others to do things for you doesn't, it's not a sign of failure. As far as toxins, the two biggest things I think uh, that most women can start taking action on is number one, trying to get rid of plastics in their life. So that may be your storage containers, that might be your water bottles, uh, your plastic wraps that you get your food in. And I understand it's really hard when I say something like that and people are like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive to go all the glass. I always say little by little, start throwing one out, get a new one. And if you still have plastic and have to use it, just do not put anything hot in the plastic because anything, so don't put a dishwasher, don't uh, microwave in it and don't put hot foods in it because it leaches out the chemicals. And again, we used to talk about BPA that now there's alternatives that have not been proven to be any safer for our hormones. So 
if you're going to store it in, in plastic, make sure the food is cooled and that you don't heat in it. Uh, as far as beauty products, another huge culprit for women, just try to stay away from uh, fragrances if possible. And if you have anything fragranced, try to get it fragranced with essential oils hmm. because fragrance is code word for thousands of toxins that can be in there that are going to disrupt our hormones. As far as food, um, again, the highly processed sugary foods are really not doing, it's really doing a disservice to our gut health and our hormones. So just trying to little by little adapt if you can. And again, it's not a complete overall starting tomorrow that you're going to make all these changes, just like little by little, you know, start eating a whole food, healthier breakfast, introducing healthy fats, super important. I think this whole low, you know, low fat diet revolution that we are just coming out of, I feel maybe we're still doing a lot of educating on it, but we need fats to make our hormones, healthy fats, avocado, olive oil, nuts, and seeds. So you know, just being a little more aware of getting nice balance in your macronutrients, lots of real food that you, yes, might take a little more time to cook, but meal prepping in advance, like one day a week, planning out your meals, huge. Um, and again, I know for the overwhelmed mom out there, it could sound like, oh my gosh, I can't do this all, but baby steps, you know, you just add on one new thing, even every week, if you continue just to add on maybe a healthier breakfast and then maybe the same breakfast, you know, alternating throughout the week. So you don't have to recreate the wheel every day um, is, is really important. So nutrition is huge. Um, and stress, you know, again, if you don't think you're stressed, well, just good, great. <laughs> but majority of women are not like that. I hear all the time, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed, I'm so overwhelmed. Instead of just running around flapping your wings saying you're stressed, because I know I've been there too. I can say all this because I feel like I, I walk the walk, I talk the talk and I've been there. You just have to pull back and say, okay, what am I stressed about? So awareness is key. And then what are you going to do about it? And I'm not going to tell you to go sit and meditate for hours on end, even though that might be what I do. Um, I always say, you know, where can you ask for help? Get some me time in every day, even if that's 30 minutes of whatever. Go take a walk outside. Because I think a lot of has, what has happened over the past year is a lot of women have lost themselves to other things, whether it be their jobs, their kids. And they've lost taking care of themselves. And when I say self-care, you know, you, we used to talk about facials and manicures, pedicures. Not many people are doing that anymore uh, over the past year. I, I think of it more like give yourself a home facial, maybe read a book, maybe take a walk, maybe take a bath in, you know, quietness. Um, because I do find that we are just so busy doing, doing, doing. We're just not, we're not being at all. We're not being in our bodies. We don't even know how we feel anymore. Yeah, that's, that's such a great tip. Actually, we were just having that conversation this past weekend was my uh, boyfriend's 60th birthday and we had a party. It was a, it was called trailer park tragedy, murder mystery party. Fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you ever done anything like that? No, but sounds fun. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Like I have not laughed that much in a really, really long time. And I'm a pretty good laugher, but that was like over the top. And I had someone come up to me and he's, um, he's actually in law enforcement too in Aurora, which is a town that has a lot of trouble for law enforcement there. So he's under a lot of stress, but he had mentioned to me, he said, um, he said, I'm trying to think how he put it, but basically he was like, wow, this is, this is so childlike. And, and it seems that we just, forget how to be 
like children and just laugh and play and have a good time because we're so caught up in all the other things. And, you know, he was giving his appreciation for me hosting this party because it, it helped him. He's like, I really needed this. And I think you're so on because I think that we, we forget, we get caught up, especially in this age of COVID where we're always at home, we're working from home, we're taking care of our kids, we're washing, you know, we're doing all the things. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you have a break, you leave mm -hmm. your job and you drive home and you get home to relax. It just seems like it never ends anymore for so many people. I agree. Yeah, it's huge. I think that's, I, I am in that same boat too. I haven't been away since last February, away, away. And when I'm not away, I, I don't stop working. And so I can totally resonate with that. But I agree with you. We don't play enough. I think we have to give ourselves permission to play and be like kids. And that was a great idea what you did because I, I do think even like, just laughing. Laughing is a huge stress reliever. And I don't think we do enough laughing and just, just having fun. I don't care how childish it feels like just go out and dance in the rain. I don't care. <laughs> do something fun that you could never see yourself doing because, you know, this adult thing is not always fun. And we just have to give ourselves permission to, you know, be, be childish and do, do things that are not expected of us once in a while, because life, life's too short. And I think, no kidding. you know, I think being present and playing and laughing is, is the key to longevity. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. I'm with you on that whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Those were all You're really welcome. great tips and, and they're all really easy things you can do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is kind of a lot. And, you know, when you start thinking about turning around all the, the dysfunctional patterns you have in your lifestyle, <laughs> that's, that can be overwhelming, but I, I love your, you're baby stepping it, you know, take one and do it for a week and, you know, repeat, wash, rinse and repeat, and then exactly. see if you can add a little bit of something else in there. And then, you know, over time, who wouldn't feel better by making changes like that, right? Exactly. And when you start feeling better, you just want to keep doing it. And it's just a matter of getting started. And those, like you said, baby steps and the healthy habit stacking, just have, you know, stack one after another, after one cup becomes easier to stack another one. And you'll be surprised when you look back and it may take a year. But you know, what I love about functional medicine too, and was I'm, I was on my own personal journey is you have to get in that mindset. You didn't get here overnight. You're not going to feel better overnight. So all those years of things that we've done to ourselves, it, it takes undoing and it takes time, but that forward motion, one foot in front of the other consistent action, little by little will get you there. Hmm. Yes, sister. <laughs> right <on. laughs> I love that. I love that. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to share before we close out here? Oh my gosh. I think I've overwhelmed. You know, we could talk for hours because you, know. you know, when I get on my soapbox and talk about my passion of just helping women feel better, there's just so much out there. And, you know, I just, I, I think she, she's been given enough in this episode as far as starting to take some action, but uh, you know, just to know every woman, just to be present in your body, see exactly how you feel. And if it's not the way you want to feel, you can definitely feel better. It's all within your power. Yes, ma'am. Yes, absolutely. And, and then you also have a hundred libido boosting foods. Absolutely. Yes. I will have that available for your audience. And it's, it's, you know, really great, healthy foods talking about nutrition that, that any woman can start implementing right away to not only feel better energetically, gut health, improving foods, but also libido boosting. So 
definitely. Uh, awesome. Awesome. I will make sure that there's a link in the show notes to okay. that document. I will also make sure they have all your contact information and, and a, a link to your podcast. So we have a fellow podcaster here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you were going to be on my show. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so exciting. So, um, you know, she's got a lot of beautiful interviews and solo casts and all different kinds of information on her podcast. So I'll make sure I link to that as well. And, uh, and her contact information. So if you want to reach out and ask her some questions and see if she can help you boost your libido, uh, it will have all that information available for you. Absolutely. And I do think with us both having podcasts, I think you just share the, the love of just empowering women to become educated and, and take control and feel better. So thank you, Dr. Brandy, for doing this podcast. It's, it's a wonderful resource for women. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. And uh, thank you for being here. And I look forward to our future conversations. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I just want to give you a quick reminder. If you're looking to reduce your brain fog, fatigue, and uh, excess weight, <laughs> check out that link below for the Uplevel Your Health VIP program, especially if you've been thinking about working with a functional health practitioner, but it's just a little bit too expensive. You're going to love this group coaching program. Like you're going to get my personalized attention. You're going to get a personalized approach to your care. And you're going to get a community of women who are doing this with you, are there for you, supporting you, cheering you on, and holding you accountable so that you can actually have lasting change in your well-being strategy. All right, click the link below, check out Up Level Your Health VIP program, and I look forward to seeing you there, mama. Mwah. Thank you for listening to the ultimate biohack for women. If you'd like to dive deeper with our tribe, join us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you'd like to help grow our tribe, share this episode with your friends. Let's bring this light to our community so that other women can know their true power and we can create a tribe together worth being in. This podcast is for information purposes only. Dr. Brandy Victory is not a medical doctor. And the views and statements expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Dr. Brandy Victory and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.